What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Danny Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, Slam Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which is airing right now during the season. And now, this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Well, there's a lot to get into on today's show. I don't think we really got to fully break down the game on yesterday's show, so there will be a little bit of that today. But first, we're going to start with the news that Drew Tranquil has a broken fibula, but the Chargers aren't necessarily ruling him out for the season. We'll also talk about Anthony Lynn's comments about how this offensive line played in yesterday's game and how some of those crunch time situations went down in the game. But in the second segment, we'll be getting into some fan voicemails. We have some voicemails about Tyrod Taylor getting benched, which was to be expected. We have some voicemails about Derwin James being the next Jason Verrett. So I'll have to address that because that's a take that already bothers me. And then we also have one about situational football. And then to wrap up the show, we're going to be getting into our biggest questions After week one, can this defense sustain its form? Who's going to replace Drew Tranquil? How does the offense convert on more third downs? A lot of questions that we have after that first game that some will need to be worked out. The Chargers are going to have any chance this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, Los Angeles Chargers head coach opened up about linebacker Drew Tranquil's injury and also talked about some of the performances from Sunday's game. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. Chargers linebacker Drew Tranquil had to be carted off the field on Sunday, and we all knew it was going to be a bad injury. He was crying on the car as he left the field, and that is never a good sign. And just the way he went down was so awkward, and it looked very severe at the moment. And Anthony Lynn was talking with the media on Monday, and he said that Drew Tranquil does have a broken fibula, which is obviously a very severe injury. But David, he did say that he did not know at this point whether or not it was going to be season ending. So right now, obviously, the Chargers have a lot to make up for with the lack of Drew Tranquil. But I do think it was nice seeing him at least leave the door open for Drew Tranquil to potentially come back this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for Drew Tranquil to have that hope as well as he goes into his rehab. I mean, a broken leg is always a very serious injury, and you never know how these guys are going to heal. But uh, Drew Tranquil put out a message on social media just basically saying, hey, I wanted to quickly thank everyone for the outpouring of encouragement that I've received the last 24 hours. My heart hurts, but my hope is not lost. If I've learned anything in my journey to the NFL, it is to never lose hope. It is the engine for perseverance and resilience. Anthony Lynn also had some comments uh, about Trey Turner and what his availability was going to look like. He said that he was pretty close to actually being able to play in the week one game, but they held him out as just an abundance of caution and said that he has a much better chance of playing next week against the Chiefs. And Daniel, they need to have all hands on deck because his replacement, Tyree St. Louis, had a PFF grade of 44.9. Yeah, it wasn't great, and Anthony Lynn pointed out just the fact that it was his very first game in the NFL and to cut him some slack, but he also pointed to him as the guy that 
quarterback Tyrod Taylor was following on a quarterback sneak that the Chargers were not able to pick up on fourth and one. So that was a big concern all of Sunday was just what were you going to get out of your offensive line, missing Mike Pouncey and also missing Trey Turner. And I think the push of the line was definitely impacted, especially in so many short yardage situations that the Chargers were unable to come through. And David, when Anthony Lynn talked about it, he said he was impressed by these young men. Obviously, a lot needs to change. And there were some players that set out, but the overall play of the offensive line was just okay, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think Anthony Lynn uh, also echoed those, those sentiments. He said that they played okay, they played well, but there were some mistakes and that there were some mistakes on every level of the offense. But there were some pretty good performers on the offensive line as well. I think you look at the top, you see a name that Charger fans are going to be excited to see, which is Forrest Lamp, who had the highest PFF grade on the offensive side with a 78.6. And then you saw right behind him at the left tackle position, Sam Tevy get a 74 overall grade. So for the first time being on the the left side of the offensive line, that is a positive development for Sam Tevy. Hopefully he's able to build off of that going into next week. And then you saw Dan Feeney move from left guard over to center and have a respectable 60.2 grade as well. So the offensive line has had their ups and downs but Daniel they definitely need to get better especially going up against Kansas City because one of the recipes for success we have seen against that team if you can find some because they have been pretty dominant is trying to control the ball trying to convert on third downs which the Chargers did not do well over the weekend and having a healthy offensive line is only going to help them do that and is also going to help Tyron Taylor who really struggled in week one and Anthony Lynn also talked about some of the key situations blaming Tyrod Taylor for the other fourth down conversion that the Chargers were unable to convert saying he made the wrong read on a run pass option on a fourth and two play in the first half and he also talked about the fact that this team will not be the team that cannot get short yardage situations and that even though it happened in week one it will not happen again for the rest of the season. But, the, but we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get into some fan voicemails as well as get into the biggest questions that we have for this Chargers team after week one coming up right after this. But first, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full replays and all of the game plays in just 45 minutes with the condensed games. You can relive all of the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all action, all the football that you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place where you can replay every game all season long. You also learn from some of the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. With NFL Game Pass, you can also get access to the entire NFL Films archive. And all you have to do is go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, for the first time in a little while, we are going to be getting into some fan voicemails. And as always, I really appreciate everyone who called into the voicemail show for this week. I know that we do have some voicemails we're not going to get into on today's show. There were some voicemails we had before this last game, but I thought for today it'd be best to stick with just those that are reacting to that first game so we can continue to talk about the problems and maybe how it gets fixed for this Chargers team because we all know 
the Chargers won, but at the same time, it was not a very convincing team. It was not a very convincing win against the team that only had a couple of wins last season. But this week, we're going to start with Nick in Colorado. Let's hear what he has for us. How's it going, fellas? Uh, this is Nick in Colorado. Um, it's been probably about a year since I called in. Uh, but I just want to say I watched the game. Um, I've had Tyra look all right. Uh, not a lot of pop, you know, there was a lot of him scrambling around, kind of just making whatever work. Um, I thought Joshua Kelly looked really strong. Eck looked good. Uh, Kenny Allen looked good. Defense looked all right. You know, they need to get up to speed. Um, I will say, I think the kid might be in there probably in the next month or month and a half because I don't think Tyrod ha- really has the pop. Um, I want to know what you guys think about the overall performance and what's the likelihood of Ty- uh, Tyrod being benched for Herbert. I uh, look forward to hearing you guys' answers. Thank you very much. Bye. Bolt up. Well, Nick, I would say don't wait another year before you call back in again. And I think this is something that was really echoed throughout Twitter. I mean, you're not necessarily saying, you know, Tyrod Taylor should be benched right now, but you do think he will be out there. He will be out of there within the next month or month and a half. It's kind of hard for me to say, David. I mean, I thought that I was going to be like, you know, it's not going to happen, but there was a point in this game and I'm not going to overreact to it, but there was a point where Justin Herbert was throwing behind the bench. I don't think that necessarily Tyrod Taylor was in trouble of getting benched in this game. So I don't want to run with that narrative. But at the same time, Tyrod Taylor and the way this offense looked, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be long droughts at some points this season where the offense cannot get anything going and they might look for a spark in rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. I don't think he's ready yet, David, but with how the offense looked, it's kind of hard to gauge at this point where Justin Herbert is in his progression and how this team is feeling about Tyrod Taylor and that offensive performance. Yeah, I mean, of course, you look at this game and and you can't be satisfied with 16 points and one touchdown, right? I mean, obviously, that's not a good look. That's not something that you want to see the team put out there every week. But one thing I'll say is, guys, this is the first game of the season in an offseason that they have never been in before. So, I mean, I would pump the brakes on the, you know, calling for Tyrod's head stuff. I think it's just way too early for that. I think you need to give him more of an opportunity to go out there and gel and get more reps, to get out there and get more comfortable with his with this offense, with his receivers, going up against real opponents. I think the more games he plays, the more comfortable he's going to get and the more production that is going to come out of this. I just think that the Chargers need to work it out a little bit more, get into a more of a rhythm offensively before I start making any you know decisions on whether to take Tyrod Taylor out and put Justin Herbert in. I just think it's a little bit too mature for pre- a little bit too premature for that. And also, Daniel, I agree with you. I do not believe Justin Herbert is ready to take over the reins right away. Yeah, and this, again, isn't what I would necessarily do because I would leave Tyrod Taylor in there even if it hurts their chances this season, mostly because I don't think this is a Super Bowl roster, especially you know with the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I think they are a team that could contend for a playoff spot. I mean, they have a lot of talent on their team, but 
it doesn't feel great after week one. And I understand the overreaction. And I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Tyrod Taylor. I don't necessarily think that the play calls that we saw were the ones that we really, really wanted to see, you know, getting him on the move more, which he did a couple of times well in this game. And seeing some of the plays looked like they had, they were from the plays the Chargers had last year. So I definitely think we need to give it some time. And I think that this isn't all just about, you know, if Tyrod's playing well, it's also about, are you going to damage Justin Herbert if you put him out there too soon, which is something that absolutely can happen. And with what this offensive line looks like, it's hard to argue that he should be get he should be put in right now. But let's get into the next voicemail. This one is Joe from Jersey, who has some reactions from the game. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey guys, it's Joe from Jersey. I'm just giving you a call uh, about the game, some instant kind of game reaction. I thought of you guys as I was watching the game. I put myself some notes and I had some reaction here. Um, first thing is the players. Um, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is the answer at all. He had happy feet. He didn't look like where he knew he was going. He was shifty the entire time. I know he wasn't nervous because he's a veteran, but that was brutal. Uh, he's not the answer at all. Uh, I was not impressed. Uh, the old line, even less impressive. I know they had injuries, but that offensive line was bad, and I, maybe that's why Tyrod was so shifty. I don't know. Uh, Desmond King uh, didn't want to catch a punt. He let the ball bounce so many times. We got lucky. Um, I was very impressed with uh, Josh Kelly, though. Very impressive, and hopefully he gets more touches. Uh, the coaching was a mess. Um, the first half, uh, it was just uh, they're running the ball twice in the, I think, the end of the first half, and with like 20 seconds left and playing for a field goal. I mean, ultra conservative. Uh, the fourth quarter, they, they're third and short, and they, they go for that run there without with that offensive line. I mean, Let's put the let's let's put the knife in them. You know, let's let's get it over with the game over with. We go conservative again, and then we give them the ball back, and they should have came back and they should have scored. The Bengals, that is, and luckily we got we got lucky there, and they didn't they missed the field goal. I'll take the win, but it didn't feel very good. What was your guys' reaction to all those things? I know this is a bit long, but thanks. Take care, both up. Well, Joe, I know you're being harsh here with some of this, but I mean, I understand it. I mean, you're coming off of a 16 point performance and a lot of those points, you know, or at least three of those points came just directly from the defense and some more of those points came off a good return on special teams. The offense really wasn't in sync the entire game. And I understand not being impressed with the offensive line. Obviously, there's Tyree St. Louis in there who shouldn't really even be out there at this point. He's definitely not ready to be a starting guard at this point. But I think there were some signs of the Chargers offensive line that could give you some encouragement. I mean, Sam Tevy wasn't a train wreck. Forrest Lamp actually looked pretty good out there, and that's something we've wanted to see for a long time now. And you didn't have Trey Turner, and I think Trey Turner's physicality and him being able to kind of get guys off the line of scrimmage was one of the reasons they brought him in specifically. But I want to focus here just on the late game situation. So I will disagree with you at the end of the first half. I double checked it. There was 33 seconds left in the half at that point. If they were on the other side of the field, if they were in Bengal territory, I might have been like, hey, push for a touchdown here. But I don't know what confidence you would have in the offense that hadn't really been able to move the ball that effectively all game to be able to get all the way down the field and have a chance for a touchdown 33 seconds there. I think they might have done, you know, 
more bad than good. They end up with a field goal. I was okay with that. But I definitely understand what he's saying here, David, about the last play. You have a chance to ice the game pretty much. There's about three and a half minutes left. You end up running a play on third and one. That was pretty obviously just a straight run up the middle. Josh Cayley is unable to get it. The offensive line gets no push. And I think one of the things you see really good teams do in this situation, and it was hard to have confidence in Tyra Taylor, is you run a play action right there when they're fully selling out against the run. You have Austin Eckler who you can throw it in the flat and I'll you know bet on him anytime to win a one-on-one matchup with somebody and get that first down from a yard out. You have Keenan Allen, you have Hunter Henry, all very reliable options. So I don't necessarily have a problem with him having a problem with that play at the end of the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't have a problem with that at all because I subscribe to the mentality of putting your foot on the opponent's throat and twisting it and going for for the the win you go for the win you got to go for the win in that situation and it seems like that play that you described about them doing a play action rollout and hitting a tight end or hitting a running back and getting that first down and, and beating the chargers has happened so many times in the last 10 or 15 years that it makes my mind want to explode so yes and also well, and how many times have we seen the chargers sell out to stop a run and have the other team do that and have them, you know, sitting there with their hands in their pants. like Exactly. It's like, why don't you learn from your opponents? Why don't you try to infuse some of that? Why don't you try to try to see if that works for you? I mean, it's a high, a pretty high percentage play because everyone in the building knew they were running right there. If they threw a, if they did a play action on that play, they probably would have got a first down and then some. Uh, because well, and if you roll out, you have you give Tyrod Taylor the chance if he doesn't see anything to at least try to run for it, run for it out in space, make a defender try to commit to him or something. You know what I mean? It gives you options at least. Definitely. And again, what I was going to say is I also extend that to the defensive side of the ball as well. When the the Bengals had the ball, you know, with a couple minutes left in the game, being able to drive down the field like that, it's like you know, a knife through butter, it just seems like nothing has changed. Why don't you sell out and and try to go after him and try to go win the game? Go make a play right there. Don't play the not to lose. Go play to win and suffocate your your opponent and and go grab the victory. I just I haven't seen that on the offensive side or the defensive side, and that's got to change. When I think just running a straight run up the middle, knowing that you probably should have tried that earlier on in the game and see if that was effective with Josh Kelly, and obviously he broke out later on in the game and you know, was the obvious option to go to at that point. But I think with the amount or the lack of the push from the offensive line would probably have stopped me from running that play right there. I mean, give yourself some options right there. But Tyrod Taylor was kind of hard to count on at that point. But let's get into the last voicemail caller we have for today. This one is Brian from Columbus. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, guys. Brian in Columbus, Ohio. I just want to have a few comments about the game on Sunday. I guess first off, I'm a little bummed out I didn't get to go to the game. I always try to get to one regional game here around Columbus, and COVID got me on that one. Uh, Back to the game, I got a few guys I wanted to uh, call out for having great games. I think uh, first off, Mike Williams, uh, the guy with maximum effort on every throw that came his way. That first catch when he came down hard, I was holding my breath, but uh, he came back strong, and I think him and – Tyrod got a pretty good connection going. Josh Kelly, uh, everybody saw it. I think he's earned a shot with the ones. Desmond King, he's been taking a lot of flack, but uh, I saw him flying around the field fighting for his job. Hunter Henry, it's great to see him back on the field. He's in good form. 
and this may be a strange one, but Dan Feeney, and only because I didn't see him, I didn't see him, uh, uh, the tie rod back and the shotgun, there wasn't a single bad snap, so I'm gonna give him a little bit. Uh, my question marks, the offensive line, I think our backups, backups did a pretty good job, but, uh, I don't know how they sustain that. I'd like to hear your comments on where we go from here with that. Safety position, I think they did okay. But after watching Jesse Bates of the Bengals show how safety's supposed to be, I'm a little worried. And I'm a little worried that German James is the next Jason Verrett. Like your comments on that. Coaching, um, this continues. At what point do you see him making changes with these coaches? I'm a little worried about the coordinators. So thanks. Like to hear your comments. Uh, enjoy the show. Bye. So I think you're definitely right on the guys that you called out. I mean, Josh Kelly, Hunter Henry, both those guys had good games. Maybe we didn't give enough credit to Mike Williams yesterday because him going out there injured and just fully putting his body totally on the line, making some acrobatic catches, almost making a few more. couple of catches he had, the one first deep pass down the sideline, catches it slightly out of bounds, you know, and then he has the one in the back of the end zone he catches slightly out of bounds, but... Definitely some credit goes to Mike Williams as well. And Dan Shows is, his toughness again, man. I mean, I, yeah, we, I definitely don't have any questions about Mike Williams' toughness at this point. But I do agree with him with Desmond King. I thought Desmond King was out there being around the ball, you know, and you definitely could see how they were trying to deploy him, kind of just putting him in different spots, not giving him kind of a designation or one true position. They were kind of letting him roam around around there. He's playing a lot of linebacker in this game as well, and I thought he was flying around to the football and had a couple really nice tackles. But I would argue also that Dan Feeney, it's not just the no bad snaps, but it's also just not constantly hearing Dan Feeney's name in a negative manner. I mean, there's a positive right, penalty sign. here. Yeah, um, he yeah. missed a block there. But I do have to address the Jason Verrett thing, and I just it bothers me because obviously these guys. I mean, I also like Jason Verrett a lot too, you know, and thought that the guy was going to be very good. He did have some injury history, but he also went on, and it's even continued through this year to just have one of the most ridiculous injury spells of any player I've ever seen. Like he's literally going to miss this season as well. So that would put it at like seven or eight seasons where he has not been able to be on the field. That he's in a class. Of his own. And with Derwin James, maybe it's just me hoping that he can be more of a Keenan Allen than he would be a Jason Verrett. And I think we do have to kind of wait that out. And I understand that it's hard, but I just think that to put that kind of, you know, juju on Derwin James, I mean, Jesse Bates is a great safety, but he doesn't hold, you know, a cup of anything to Derwin James. I mean, those guys are in different classes. And I mean, I'm really high on Jesse Bates. I mean, he would be the best safety on the Chargers right now, to be sure. But I definitely think we didn't really get to see the char- or the safeties put up to too much work on Sunday. And I also think that, you know, we'll see a little bit more of them. And they got bailed out on a couple of deep passes as well. We didn't really talk about that yesterday either. But, David, for the coordinators, I understand the frustration because even though Gus Bradley's defense only gave up 13 points, there was definitely some moments, like you alluded to in the last segment, of frustration, to be sure. And also, Shane Sykin... I think they're going to ride it out with Shane Steichen. I mean, one thing that all these coaches are going to have this year, I think, is the benefit of the doubt because of COVID-19. And I'm not saying whether they should or they shouldn't because obviously that's almost an impossible situation to fight at this point. But I would say that, I mean, Shane Steichen, it's his first year. Gus Bradley, though, I definitely think you can have some criticism. It's just hard coming off the week where they finally got some pressure. They played well in certain situations, but still had some other situations we've seen way too many times. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, on the offensive side, with Shane, with Shane Steichen being his first year as a coordinator, I don't think that there's any reason why the Chargers should try to look to remove him so quickly. I mean, you can't get any continuity if you don't let these guys kind of grow and have some growing pains and kind of learn on the job and also get better. I mean, these guys are human. They make mistakes, but they can also make adjustments and they can get better. Now, on the other side of the ball, Gus Bradley has been the defensive coordinator for the Chargers for several, several years now. So his seat if he does not if he does not get this defense trending in the direction that Anthony Lynn wants him to which is more pressure and being able to close out games more effectively not as much zone not as much predictability that is yet to be seen because in the first game it still seemed like there was a good amount of predictability on the play calling side of things and the playing not to lose instead of being aggressive and going for the win uh, I just still I don't like that aspect I know that's you know, a big part of his defense, but he needs to be able to change and adapt as a coach or he does, he's, he's not going to be able to survive much longer as the defensive coordinator of the Chargers. And like I said, I mean, he's only given up 13 points so far this season, so I don't think that's even on the Chargers' thoughts right now. I mean, I don't think that's even something they're considering. And I also wonder if he'll get bailed out by just another season with a star player like Derwin James not being there. But we have those questions and many more because we're going to get into the biggest questions we have after week one coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that all of this pandemic situation has been full of headaches. And one thing that always causes a headache for me is when something goes wrong with my car. But I can help you guys out because I know of rockauto.com. And if you guys need any type of car part, there's only one place to get it. Don't go to the chain storefronts where you have to go in there and wonder if you're getting a great price and wondering if they're going to have it in stock. You can get the biggest stock available and cut out the middleman with rockauto.com. The other nice part about it is you don't even have to leave your house. You can have a super simple, easy way to find everything that you need at rockauto.com and have them deliver it right to your door and have a contactless delivery that way. And Rock Auto has everything that you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so I was wondering a little bit what to talk about for this final segment, just because we already broke down the game. We gave a recap. We did what went right and what went wrong. But just like I was questioning what to talk about, I also have a lot of questions for this team for the rest of the season based on some of the things that we saw week one. And obviously, the one thing on everybody's mind was this Chargers offense, David. And I think there's a few kind of sub-questions for this offense, like you know, third-down conversions and stuff like that in the red zone offense that we'll get into. But just the offense, generally speaking, was very stale on Sunday. So, I mean, my one question is, is is this what we're going to get from the Chargers offense? Or are they going to be able to evolve? And are we going to see something better than what we saw on Sunday? Because the Bengals defense isn't great. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as we thought it was going to be. But I also don't think it's good enough to hold all the talent on the Chargers offense to 16 points. Tyrod Taylor didn't look good, so David... Can this offense get better is a question we're going to, I think, have to continue following the rest of the season. No question about it. Obviously, it's the biggest question mark of all on this football team. You look on the defensive side and you feel pretty good about things. But on the offensive side, especially after the game you watched on Sunday, 
there definitely is a lot of those uncertainties and uneasy feelings about whether this team is going to be able to score points because there's some teams that are going up against this year that can put points up in spades and not have any problems with that. And you feel really uncomfortable about the Chargers' ability to do that. But I do think that this offense can get better. I think they're going to involve more, even more movement than they had in this game, more play action. I think you're going to... In- and also get Austin Eckler more involved in the passing game part of it. Although Anthony Lynn did say that schematically they're going to take some of those, you know, check downs away from Austin Eckler, but I still think they need to manufacture touches for him as well. And also like John has been saying uh, on the show, I'd want to see them get more, you know, uh, more Joe Reed involved, more uh, just getting your playmakers in space. I think the chargers definitely have abilities to do that with this offense and that can get them easy chunk yards something you mentioned as well that they absolutely are going to need to do if they want to keep up with some of these teams they're going to play this year. Yeah, and I think the concerning part about the Austin Eckler thing is just Anthony Lynn saying we're going to get him his touches, and he had the most carries he's ever had with the Chargers at 19 carries on Sunday. And for me, I just the problem I you know have with that is just the fact that not all touches are are equal. We know he is more efficient as a pass catcher. And I didn't think I would be saying this, you know, on this podcast, but the Chargers needed to check down more in that game. There were too many empty plays where you're coming off of a second and eight play where you end up taking a random deep shot or you throw it into double coverage to Keenan Allen or you throw the ball away out of bounds instead of just checking down to a guy like Austin Eckler who can take that second and eight and get you a first down a lot of the time. So that I had a lot of a problem with. And I think for Joe Reed, one of the issues is I mean, the comments that I heard from Anthony Lynn today didn't make me feel a lot better about it. I mean, he said that he was upset with him for running out of bounds on the punt coverage that got the Chargers a penalty. But the biggest thing I took away from it was him saying, right now, Joe Reed is a three-core special teams player and a backup receiver. He did go on to say that he plays a little bit of running back, too, and he loves his versatility. But I thought it was more telling him saying, you know, right now, he's a special teams player, and that's kind of how I took it in a backup receiver and KJ Hill got on the field as a receiver. So I think he's definitely ahead of Joe Reed at this point, but yeah, that's one way if your offense is snack is stagnant to get a guy, the ball who had one touch on a kickoff return and took it 44 yards. So I definitely think that could help them, but there's a couple, like I said, subplots to the offense, which is the short yardage situations, David, and also the red zone situations because the chargers, were not good in the red zone and they were not good in short yard situations. I mean, obviously the one drive they had in the red zone, I thought it was okay just because they had the second and goal situation about five yards out. They gave it to Josh Kelly and he had a really nice cutback and a really nice run for a touchdown, but first and goal from the two, not scoring right there, having it be even worse because there's a video of Keenan Allen just absolutely torching his corner, being wide open in the end zone and Tyrod Taylor did not look his way that obviously has to stop and for the short yardage situation I think my biggest issue is it just seems David like Anthony Lynn thinks this is a overly physical team that is just going to dominate you even though we're not seeing that so I like the thought process of Anthony Lynn saying you know we want it more than you we're we're not going to keep getting stuffed on those short yardage situations but I think it's less about trying to out physical the other team and more about trying to outthink the other team and not just thinking, Hey, I can run this up the middle, even though I know I'm running it, even though they know I'm running it and get good results. 
Well, that speaks to the unpredictability I was talking about earlier. I mean, and, and John said so many times on this show that the play calling has been so predictable that they know what the next several plays are going to be, let alone the next play. And that's one of those things on short yardage is, you know, yeah, of course, you know, you want to be able to impose your will on, on the defense and you want to be able to convert those. But sometimes you got to get a little more creative converting those, you know, maybe throw a short pass, maybe do a play action, maybe go deep on those. Just get more creative. Don't be so complacent with the play calling. I think that helps with that. But yeah, the the, the scoring in the red zone, that's something that is going to be a question mark and it has been a question mark for the last several, several seasons. Are they going to be able to convert in those situations? Because they have to be able to score touchdowns. They showed some futility in this game only being able to get one when they could have gotten two or three so it's definitely a big concern but I think they did figure something out when they put Joshua Kelly out there on the short yardage instead of you know using Tyrod Taylor the first two times did not see very much success with that hopefully they just put their playmakers in positions to help them succeed and also I think when Trey Turner comes back and you know the pancake machine as a uh, as a uh, Daniel likes to call him uh, will come back and definitely help the this rushing offense and hopefully the success in the red zone yeah I mean when you have a rushing quarterback a quarterback that can take it that should help you out down there but he also has to make smart decisions when he's throwing the ball down there as well and he has to show the ability to have passing touchdowns too I mean you're not always going to be able to run it in and I think with the whole physicality part of this it's like we understand that you should be able to get one yard on third and one but at the same time if your offense hasn't showed you all game they can do it figure something out at least run a more creative rushing play if you're going to go that direction instead of something that's more long and drawn out like we saw on Sunday but Getting to the next question and flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, I think one of the biggest questions after losing linebacker Drew Tranquil is how do the Chargers replace him? In this game, we saw it was a combination of Nick Vigil, their free agent signing, and also Denzel Perriman. But Perriman and and Kenneth Murray are probably both better suited for Mike linebacker at this point, meaning that Nick Vigil is going to be the weak side linebacker, and he was good as a death piece, David, but will now have to show that he can be an every down above average starting linebacker for this team if they want that unit to be better. Absolutely. I mean, Anthony Lynn said that he liked the depth uh, at the linebacker position, but, you know, when Drew Tranquil goes out and he's going to miss probably most of the season, it's going to get tried and tested right away. I mean, you love the response from Dunzel Perriman coming in and, and getting that, you know, forcing that fumble. That was really nice to see. But is he going to be able to stay healthy and play consistently throughout the year? I think Nick Vigil came in and played good. You have a lot of expectations, a lot of hope for Kenneth Murray. And also, I mean, a guy who, who can definitely help with that is Kaiser White. I think if Kaiser White stays healthy this year and shows why they moved him from line, from safety to linebacker, and why this coaching staff has a lot of faith in him, I think he can definitely ease that injury of Drew Tranquil and the uncertainty of that position. But Denzel Perriman, this is a big opportunity for him, for me, honestly. I just think that he's had so many chances with this Chargers defense to go out there and make plays, and and right now I think is the biggest opportunity he's going to get thus far. I mean, he fell from grace from the coaching staff, got in trouble last year. He needs to go show the type of linebacker that he can be and really help this Chargers defense win games. Yeah, and he had a huge play on Sunday causing that fumble on Joe Mixon. And I will also say that we shouldn't forget that Kazir White, before the knee issues, 
was lining up at weak side linebacker. So they could potentially have Kenneth Murray and him in starting there at the base defense. I think Kazir White has the range to play that position. I think he also brings more upside than Nick Vigil does, and I think you could easily put Uchenna Nwosu back into that strong side linebacker spot, even though they don't use it a ton. They're not in their base formation a lot, but... I do think that there's another big question for the Chargers defense, and that is to continue. Can they continue to get pressure? Because that was when the Chargers were at their best in this game. The first half, they were dominant, and that's because they got three sacks, and they were in Joe Burrow's face the entire game. Jerry Tillery was really good, and you have to hope to see that continue. But they also, the Bengals, that is, evolved in the second half. They adjusted in the second half, started throwing more quick passes, and started running the ball more effectively to keep the pass rushers at bay. And I think we saw a pretty good defensive line rotation. I would like to see Joey Bosa out there in more of those critical situations. But, David, I think that's a big question is can the Chargers continue to get the pressure? Can they continue to get sacks? Because that's ultimately what ends up getting you you turnovers at the end of the day. Absolutely, and they started off pretty well. They got three sacks in this game and two turnovers as well. So they're doing well in the turnover margin, and and getting more pressure is going to help. But also adjusting when you know you see the other team adjust against you, you got to find other ways to get pressure as well. You got to get you know creative. You got to send send a corner, send a safety. You you got to to mix it up. I mean, it's nice to get you know the NASCAR package on the field with Tillery and Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Nwosu. That's good. That's going to work good amount of the time, but you also have to just mix things up a little bit more. And also, I mean, I think it's a mandate. Remember Coach Anthony Lynn said, hey, we have to get more pressure on the quarterback or else, basically. I mean, that's basically what he said to Gus Bradley. So if Gus Bradley wants to keep his job, I think he has to come up with creative and innovative ways to get after the quarterback. Do they have the personnel to do it? Absolutely they do. I think they showed that. It was really nice to see Jerry Tillery take a little bit of a leap. He definitely looks bigger, looks stronger, looks faster. So I really like that development, and I hope we continue to see that throughout the season. Mix that with Linval Joseph with the other two premier pass rushers in Bosa and Ingram, and I think you could have a lot more success getting to the quarterback this year. Yeah, and there was also, you know, the Linval Joseph effect, and Uchenna and Wosu, it was nice to see him get in there and get a sack in limited opportunities. You definitely saw him and Isaac Rochelle out there a decent amount, so it seems like they're committed to keeping these guys fresh, but... The Chargers, I think one of the ways you stop that at the end of games like that is it's hard to get sacks when your defense is playing, you know, seven yards off the line of scrimmage and giving everything up underneath to just allow those short, quick passes to happen. If you can take some of those away, it might be that extra half a second that lets Joey Bosa get in there and take down the quarterback. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow, we're not exactly sure what we're going to do. We have an interview that we may or not be able to do with a former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman one that played with joe montana of all people so we're trying to work that out for you but until then make sure to follow us on twitter at locked on lac and to like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from you can find the locked on chargers podcast there if you guys want to be the next voicemail callers that get on the show the number is 323-524-7924 for the locked on chargers voicemail line we try to get every chargers voicemail on the show but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow as always until then Take it easy and go Bolts.